0: Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. To put it mildly, recruiting, hiring, managing, and retaining today's workforce presents some rather difficult challenges. My guest on this episode is Steve Urban, CEO of RiderFlex. Join us as we tackle this thorny subject and come up with some inspired takeaways that will help you staff your business for success. Whether it's understanding the expectations of millennials or creating workplace culture that combines the professional with the personal, understanding how the landscape has changed is vitally important. Steve and I dive into and ask the question, how can you hire, lead, and inspire the best people for your team? From the role marketing plays in recruiting, tips for interviewing, ways to bring remote and gig workers into the virtual fold, and what kinds of employees you look for when you're a startup versus an established business, Steve and I are talking about it all. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. I am so excited to have Steve Urban join us today. We've been kind of hip, you know, joined at the hip here for a little while. Uh, we both grew up in the area. We're both the exact same age. We both graduated at the same time, and so there's there's that fun side of, of how Steve and I know one another. But you are one of the forethought leaders when it comes to hiring and recruiting. And that's what we're really going to be going to hone in on today um, and talk a lot about. So before we get there, uh, Steve, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what how you you really how, how, oh, are you doing? Oh, Thank seeing?
1: you, Lori. How are you today? You, are you good?
0: I'm good. I'm great. It's so good. Oh, like I said, it's so good to see you.
1: I like your studio. And, and I, I, like well, the, I like I like the studio. I like the fun. look. It looks great. It looks awesome. Is it it how, is
0: fun. How many
1: videos have you launched? Is, is am I the first one? So we, no,
0: no. Oh, okay. You're going to actually be the fourth or fifth. But we launched oh, okay. on April twenty fifth.
1: Okay. Um, so All by right. the
0: time this show launches, there will have been a few already out.
1: Okay. Very good. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you're doing. I'm glad you're doing video now. Uh, I mean, you got to look for it. I mean, you look like a famous actress anyway. So you should have been doing video the whole time.
0: <laughs> you, you are so kind and you know my backstory too that you, i studied broadcast journalism and decided yeah. not to do it uh, yeah. but here i am so my broadcast journalism debut through my own podcast so
1: <laughs> <you>. <laughs> that's cool um yeah and we're both entrepreneurs we're both business owners i mean yeah we got a lot in common and you were on the riderflex podcast do. too I'm, I'm trying to remember when you were on our podcast was it a year two years I mean, like it's definitely
0: it's actually it was pre-covid
1: was Wasn't it? it? Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah, probably. I know. Yeah,
0: probably. Yeah. Probably. It was pre-COVID. So it's, it, I know it's like that whole time period is an absolute blur. So
1: it was pre-COVID. Damn. That was like three years ago. I Holy know. Cow. Yeah. Wow.
0: I know. Well, anyways, <laughs> yeah, it's always such a joy to talk to you and same. we're going to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial spirit today, but we're also going to share some insights There's so, I mean, hiring right now is such an issue. It is hmm. so tough. And we're going to talk about some of those insights today mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. tell me, tell me more. Remind our audience about that entrepreneurial, you know, spirit yeah. and grit and yeah. path that you're traveling down. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, so I was a, I was a wholesale retail executive for most of my career. I uh, you know moved up through the ranks and ended up being a CEO and president for a couple of $40 million wholesale retail companies. And, you know, I did that for until I was, uh, let's see, 49 years old. And so that was most of my career. I was an operations kind of executive. That was my functional expertise before I hit C-suite. But, uh, you know, as I got older, I always kind of dreamed about doing something on my own. You know, that was always there. My dad was an entrepreneur entrepreneur uh he had his own oil field roustabout business and several other businesses that he tried when i was growing up so he he kind of had that spirit and so i always wanted to try something i was working in dc flying back and forth from denver to dc every week for three years which was not fun not fun
0: yeah
1: and uh when that contract was up I wanted to I wanted to do something that I had ownership in I wanted to do a, a startup I wanted to do something that I could do remotely <clears throat> because I wanted to work from anywhere that was always kind of a dream and I, I wanted to do that way before remote was cool you know before COVID yeah
0: you so you are cool
1: yeah and so <laughs> I wanted to do something remote and then I wanted to just you know have to do something that I was kind of passionate about and hiring and interviewing and placing people in the right positions. I mean, I had done that for so many years, right. Uh, uh as a manager or as an executive, right. and I loved, I loved doing that. I always liked interviewing people and I felt like I was good at that. <clears throat> and then I kind of tied all that together with, um, having dealt with recruiters and recruiting firms, meaning I hired them right as a as a third party, or I had them internally that worked for me when I was an executive. So I'd been around and dealt with a bunch of executives. And quite frankly, I knew most of them were not good. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I always thought of that as low hanging fruit. And so I thought, well, damn, you know, if I just do a good job and execute on recruiting, uh, we'll get business. And I had a pretty good network. And so that's how it started. I, That's I, uh, great. I left that executive <laughs> job and talked my, my friend Scott Kegris into joining me. Uh, uh, and uh, and here he was, you are. And here we are. Yeah. Here how we many are.
0: episodes are you into flex at this stage?
1: At the podcast?
0: So yeah, yeah we have
1: it along with the recruiting firm, which is our day job. Uh, we have the podcast and we are three, I think 370. Not oh, as many as you, that's great. I, think you've done, I think you've done like 400 and something. Almost yeah. I think we're, but. we're
0: probably like a couple of years ahead of you, a year and a 18 months ahead of you. Um, yeah, with like the three, number
1: 370, it started out with me giving uh job interviewing tips and career advice, like little short segments. And then mm-hmm. people were like, Hey, I'll come in on your show and talk about that. And I was, uh, and, and I was like,
0: okay, well, there you yeah, go. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> all the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> So uh, there as we've um as we've established recruiting and hiring and, and even retention is such yeah. a big, big wow. issue today yeah. and um the you know the cracking the nut is is just something uh, that's very difficult. If you've got an in-house department trying to crack it, you know, that's hard they they typically find themselves needing to hire you know recruiting firms to help um or or you know it, they might have a recruiting team internally, um, but when it when it comes to a specialty hire like a CEO or something, they might hire a, a recruiting firm. Mm-hmm. So there are all these sort of things um, that that are happening right now, and we've got a workforce um, that is very different today than it ever has been. Um, we've got a lot of younger uh, people entering the workforce that just have a different mindset about what 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week to get the job done is. Yes. So you combine all this, uh, you combine the layoffs that are happening right now. What is your POV about about what corporations need to be doing? It does not matter if you're in the startup space and you just received an $8 million tranche or if you're established business, we are all facing the same issue. What is it that we need to know that we may not know going into this
1: from a from, yeah, from a retention perspective, you know, with a stats low, right, people leave jobs after one year, two years, three years, I mean, it's terrible turnovers terrible, even at the even at the management level and not not just associate level, um, you know, I think retention these days all comes down to the culture and atmosphere mm-hmm. that the company builds and and what is it like to work there not that it has to be ping pong tables and and goofing off you know two days a week but just in general uh, millennials specifically uh they want to enjoy working there they want to enjoy Mm -hmm. the atmosphere they want to have they want to work with people that they uh, like to be around and they want to have work-life balance right um
0: so let's just stay you there know, for it, a second it, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't nothing adds up to me. Okay, Steve. So mm. they want all that, yeah. but yet they want to work from home. So and how... they
1: want to work from home and they want to work remotely. <laughs>
0: exactly. So how does how does how do you create a culture? I mean, you can only have so many martini parties at four o'clock in the afternoon via Zoom. <laughs> um
1: yeah.
0: you can only dictate that the team is in the office one day a week. Um, yeah. in a shared space, and there's, you know, the fabric of that, you know, the, the weaving of what it takes to actually build um, interaction and communication between team members is at an all-time low, because what they want is to work remote.
1: Yeah, uh, it is tougher a little bit on remote, but it can be done, so RiderFlex has been remote since the beginning, and we're, we've are we been doing it for seven years, and we've always been remote, and if you go to check our glass door reviews, you know, we, we have super high scores around our company culture. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think you can do it. I think it's, it's, you know, uh, everything from scheduling expectations. Do you Do you let them work when they want to? Do you let them work from wherever they want? Mm-hmm. Do you have too many meetings? When you do have meetings, is there small talk and personal a uh, conversation time built into the front of front or back of the meeting. So it's not just all business and you can get to know your people. Um, do you have uh, Slack and other tools set up so that it is okay for them to be personable and not just talk business? Um, and do you let them do that? Uh, the, and then you can, you can have the virtual happy hours, but we, we don't do that very often because yeah. we generally when when we're having meetings, we always try to do video. And I think that's really important by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're a remote company, you should almost I hate to use the word enforce, but I, I recommend that your culture be like, Hey guys, we, we, you know, we want everybody on video because we want right. to see your face. We, we want to see your facial expressions. Um, we let, uh, you know, if they have kids, if they have dogs, if they watch little ones and, you know, kid pops up on the screen with them or whatever and they have to Fantastic. Mute. Like, yeah that's all that's all cool with us and that all uh ties back to culture i think mm-hmm. and so you know you can have a, a good culture doing it remotely if you let it be personal and not just all professional i think yeah. and i think building time in for that is is important
0: is there because a- Is there a size business that you feel it works, you know, employee count that works better with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that can work well with big businesses too, as long as the meetings aren't uh, with too many people. Now, if you have a, if you have a hands-on company meeting, you know, that's different, different deal, but, but siloed groups, uh, not siloed groups, but specialty groups where there's, you know, 10 people on a team and they're having a meeting, just, um, you know, keep it human and not all yeah. just robotic uh, professional. I think that helps a, a bunch. But you're right. Today, you know, people want, they do want work-life balance. And I don't mean goof off. I mean, like, they don't want to work 75 hours a week. And, right. and they do want to have the ability to work remotely if they can. Like, those are two important things. Um, and companies that are fighting that are losing out on talent. Just
0: I, Well, that's I, exactly what I was going to say. Our talent within the agency, because we we do have remote workers, yeah. um, is stronger than it ever has been. And and one of our team members, very valued team members, moved during COVID um, mm-hmm. to Tennessee, and we kept him employed. I mean, we Great. love him. So yeah. you know, so we've got team members, full time team members, in you know three or four different states right now. That's awesome. Um, and so there's that piece of it. But there is also, you know, do you see companies like making a rule of, okay, if you live within 25 mile radius of the company, you need to be in the office two days a week or three days a week or. Yeah.
1: yeah. My personal view on this is, and I've done lots of podcast episodes on this topic. I I'll put, here's how I can answer it. I truly believe that we will look back on society at some point and our grandchildren are going to be like we used to make people get in a car and drive an hour to a building just to open up a laptop and set in a cubicle like like really we yeah. did that like we did that why would we do that
0: yeah
1: that that's my view on it <laughs> now yeah. and and I do think too as the highways are populated and things like this i mean it frees up the ability for the guys that and girls that do have to drive, like the delivery truck drivers, the construction workers, the oil field workers, the plumbers, the people that do actually need to be on the road, it gives them the ability to do that, and it it, it frees up the highways of Mary driving an hour and fifteen minutes just to you know get in a building and close her door and open a laptop. I mean, I, yeah. I really think we're going to look back and go, "That was dumb. Why were we, why were we doing that?" So, and I and I think managers that are pushing against that are missing out on talent. And they're going to, they're going to, and I've always tell our clients, our clients are going to be like, well, I I want this person to come to the office. I'm like, okay, so you want me to find this specialty candidate with these, all these skill sets in, you know, BFE, Oklahoma, where there might be like one person in that county that has that skill (laughs) set. Meanwhile, if you let me recruit from the U.S., I can find you several candidates that are really perfect for you. So Anyway, Do you that's think it's rant.
0: affecting efficiency at all? Like I no. take a look at, um, I I we're don't. a creative environment, right? Yeah. And for us to ideate together and, you know, innovate new ideas and concepts in a conference room and yeah. take a look at the human emotion behind interacting to an idea or not. Yeah. can be lost and 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 we've got the whiteboards on zoom and all that yep. sort of stuff so i mean yep. so we're doing it and even our innovation sessions uh, we send everyone out for 20 minutes to just decompress and they take a look at the surroundings behind them and journal you know things that they hear smell taste and so on and so forth yep. and and we still have our you know our our out-of-state team members do that so they still come in refreshed and ready to go but you know, are you seeing it impact creativity and innovation?
1: If anything, if anything, I think your remote work here's the deal. The remote worker is happier. Yeah. So so, so, so innovation think, is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, they're just they're just in a better mood. They're happier with their life. They're happier with their families. They're happier with their hobbies. They're just happier. I mean, yeah. and, and and they're they're more willing to contribute. Like really, like really, I mean most humans i'm not saying yeah all, most humans really don't want to go into a building and then be like okay let's go to the conference room and you know they, they really don't want to do that and you're, you're and you're talking to a guy that lived his whole career in these yeah. freaking, in these freaking conference rooms on a plane right? too it yeah. on a plane it's like who, who wants to do that man nobody yeah. nobody, nobody wants to do you know so Anyway, that's my take. Okay. I don't want to pick up your whole. No, time I like on remote, it. So but, let's
0: uh, let's talk a little bit more about recruiting. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about the benefits of you know remote work as you know a carrot, uh, yes. but the and and we've even you know hired you know incredible people that are remote um, that are some of the strongest individuals we've ever had on the team um, because the talent pool was just larger when exactly. we did that. Yes. but companies are still having difficulty recruiting. Why?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, most of the time they aren't focused on matching candidate personality and style to the company culture. Mm -hmm. They, They make the mistake, most companies make the mistake of going, okay, here's a job description with all these line items and keywords. And let's find a resume with those same key words and experiences. Okay, oh, wow, there's our person. And it's like, you know, it's just so much more than that, you know? Yeah. And so they're making these robotic algorithm decisions to hire somebody. And some companies are bypassing culture and they're saying, oh, personality and style and culture, none of that matters. I just, want to, I, just want to, I just want somebody that can do the job. That's why there's turnover because mm-hmm. here's a perfect example. I'll give you a perfect example. <clears throat> if a construction company, a small construction company, calls me, okay, and they got, I don't know, 15 guys working there. None of them are educated. They're all pretty hardcore construction guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, hey, we want an admin person. And I'm like, okay, I'll help you find an admin person. And I go visit their office and I meet the CEO and he's the CEO's pretty hardcore guy cuss word every other language you know whatever uh liquor cabinet on the side over in the office
0: <laughs> that's a brandy um, and play there
1: you know uh I'm not gonna put Mary who was a librarian assistant and is very meek and timid uh, with her style when I'm video interviewing her and she happens to share with me her faith. At the time, I don't ask questions about their religion or anything. But sometimes people just share this stuff. Yeah. And and I get to know her. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not going to put her in. The, I don't care if she's qualified from a skill set. I'm not going to put her in that environment because she'll be miserable.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And, it, and it's. And people it's, miss
1: that. People miss that.
0: Yeah, it's the subliminal stuff that you take a look at um, yeah. that people don't pay attention to.
1: That's right that's right yeah we really focus hard on that as much as we can uh so that's that's part of the reason companies uh lose people they they just put people in the wrong environment and then they're, they're not happy if the, the employees aren't happy you know they, yeah. they just they don't they don't like the environment so I think that piece is is one reason they have a hard time finding people the other reason and that, and we could do a whole hour on it so I'll just cut it short with the second reason because there's a bunch of reasons but the second primary reason they have a hard time finding people is because the hiring manager thinks that the resume and LinkedIn have to match perfectly before they'll even talk to them. Uh, and I always tell them, I'm like, look, look, Mrs. Hiring Manager, here's the deal. I've video interviewed, we've phone interviewed Johnny. I don't give a shit if he's missing a couple of line items that you wanted. You gave us 20 you know, prerequisites here. We, we got 18 of them. Okay, I know he's missing two. But I'm telling you right now, he matches your team and he matches your culture and he's got a shit ton of potential. You need They're to shopping
0: to for perfection and perfection does not exist. That's right. And, yeah. And, and, yeah.
1: and I always tell the hiring managers, I'm getting passionate about this because it's a really big one with me. I always tell the hiring manager, I always say. Out of all the jobs you've gotten and all the promotions you've gotten, how many of them were you perfectly qualified? for?
0: Right, right. <laughs> You yeah, know? I mean we sell you know individuals short, we sell the company short in those situations. Yes. Um, because yes. and and you know, everyone's well, not everyone, but most people are very, very coachable. Um, and yes. and every company has their secret thoughts anyway. So training is going to be involved, period. Bingo. Bingo. So Bingo. you know, to, Bingo. to to pass over people because of oh,
1: you know. it drives me nuts.
0: Drives so do you nuts. have like a do you have like like, okay, if he's eighty percent, we have to to take a look at this guy. Is there a magic rule regarding? Um,
1: not necessarily a specific number, but there there are times where our recruiters will present, 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 and then I'll of course I'm watching in the background, and they're like, okay, reject, 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 and, I'm, and then I'll call the recruiter. I'm like, well, they're not they're not even talking to him. Like they're not even interviewing.
0: Right.
1: Him. I'm like, no, no. Then I will call the CEO and basically have this conversation, yeah. like. Come on, man. Like, what what are you doing? Like, come on. Do you want to hire somebody or not?
0: (laughs) So while we're talking about recruiting, I want to bring up a point um, and and really a case study that we deployed on behalf of an aerospace company that we do a lot of work with. And they um, have used outside recruiters and had tremendous success, even moving people into Colorado um, from outside. And we, uh, you know, we're pushing out the, you know, the typical ad, you know, now hiring. Mm -hmm. And we as an agency knew it wasn't the right approach, but it was, you know, what they wanted at the time. And we let them know that if we really took more of a thematic approach um, with what it's like to work at this particular company, and really brought, you know, follow the same rules that we do when we're developing any campaign out there, regarding customer first, people first, you know, human emotion, you know, what can we get to stop, you know, to get them a stop among a litany, you know, of different images that they see day in and day out within LinkedIn in this particular case. So we developed a very, very thematic approach that brought these aerospace engineers back to when they were five years old, looking up at the moon saying, I'm going to be a part of that industry at some point in time with some, Mm. you know, amazing messaging. Mm. So we put that out into the marketplace, several different versions that were very specific based on the position that we were hiring for like and it. the quality of the individual <laughs> skyrocketed, no pun intended. Um, yeah, with, with, and with, you know, and, and we, ha- we hired incredible people through taking a marketing approach that you that's do great. on the outside, on the inside, from an internal comms standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, and it worked magically.
1: That's, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's brilliant. That's good. Um, you ended up getting really qualified candidates that uh, you probably never would have seen or never, never would have applied. So um, well, and, and awesome. it was a
0: numbers game, right? So if we wanted to bring the right people to the job um, page, and but we also wanted to differentiate ourselves from the competition, which we were able to do. And this was a, you know, a small 200 person uh, aerospace company at the time competing against 10,000
1: person company
0: (laughs) that everyone always longed to work for. And, and for the most part, we were winning.
1: Along, along with the great marketing of a job, you know, uh, the best recruiting firms are the one we, now we always post jobs too, but quite frankly, we post jobs primarily to just market our own company. I mean, right. it's, it's marketing for Riderflex. Do we sometimes get a candidate that quote applies? It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are easy ones, but most of the time we're hunting people down. 80% right. of the time it's, it's recruiters on our team that are hunting people down and then selling the company, just like you did with your, with your ad of it. They're having to sell the company. And that is the third reason people have uh, are not successful in hiring because they, they they throw out a job posting on Indeed and they just wait for people to apply and they don't right. do anything else. Well, that's.
0: So you bring up a really interesting point. What percent of recruiting are two people that are actually employed versus unemployed?
1: Um. Well, keep well. So here's a. There's a really kind of a misconception here. I've had I've had clients tell me, they'll say, "Well, why are you posting?" and I'll say. Uh, well, because there's millions of people on Indeed and LinkedIn, uh, uh, and most of them that apply are employed. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is unemployment in the country is what is it right now? Three, four percent, or something like that. Right. Like that. So I'm always telling them, I'm like, do you think only those three percent of Americans that are unemployed? Do you think that, do you think that's all that's on LinkedIn?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: No. no. Almost, I would say 90% of the people that apply to anything we put out are employed. Um, uh, some of them are unemployed, but no, no. Most people are employed. Most people are always actively looking for something else, believe yeah. it or not. Wow. And that goes back to your original point where people mm-hmm. are just jumping jobs and they're, they're not happy. I mean, yeah, most people are employed. No.
0: Uh, so are you know, you mentioned LinkedIn and most of our clients... Are business to business um, or for some of our enterprise clients that are either CPG or, or retail, Mm -hmm. yeah, they've got 1500 team members and the level, the C-suite level or manager level, they're going to be on LinkedIn for the most part. Yeah. Are there industries that you see that do not have strong LinkedIn following and you have to go to, you know, the indeeds of the world, the monsters to, to make that happen.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we'll just, you know, any trade skills job, I mean, good luck on finding a plumber on LinkedIn, (laughs) you know, good. We, you know, electricians, plumbers, welders, uh, construction. I mean, none of, not none. Most of those folks are not on LinkedIn. Most of them are super busy and do not. Most of them are a lot of them are not on social media. They don't apply for jobs because if you're an electrician in Colorado, you can find work anywhere. Like if, yeah. you, if you're not working as an electrician in Colorado, it's because you don't want to work. Um, so my point is they're all busy. They're not on social media. They're not applying for jobs. You've got to have uh, trade skills, uh, uh, lists, um, databases, um, and, and different things where you can get phone numbers and emails and try to hunt them down. Yeah. uh they they just don't apply. I mean, if we got a job, and let's say somebody called us tomorrow and said, Hey, I need an electrician. If I put that post up on indeed and linkedin i I mean seriously, we would get almost nothing. We would get almost nothing we We have to hunt them down, so those jobs, trade skills, and by the way, that's a whole nother topic. I think trade skills people are going to be more valuable than tech software engineers soon uh i i, I think I think a i and Robots and chat GPT and these things are going to skyrocket even faster than they are. And the days of the software engineers being king of demanding whatever they want uh, might be coming to an end and plumbers are going to be demanding whatever they want uh, because, because those trade skilled people are going to be super valuable when AI can write code and we don't need, engineers as much as we did. Yeah. That day is coming. That day is coming.
0: And Comcast technicians. We've been out of com- we've been out of cable TV for 72 hours now. And we've been oh, having really? to stream everything on our phone and it's <laughs> making us crazy.
1: See? Yeah. Because yeah. they can't yeah, because techs are in super high demand. Yeah. They're super yeah. high demand. Yeah. So I love it.
0: I mean it's a really interesting point. It's the other element here um that has changed a lot uh over the last three years is the gig worker I was a part of um, a bunch of marketing to the National Beer Wholesalers Association, and they had a show a few years back, and they had a stat that they shared that was crazy. And by, Mm, this might be off a little bit, listeners, but by uh, 2040, no, no. by 2037, 64% of the population Mm -hmm. will be a gig worker on some level.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I think eventually, I'm not an expert on this topic, so, uh, but here's my opinion on it from a commoner perspective. Uh, You know, I think you're going to see legislation and different things passed and and squeezed to keep that from going too far uh, Mm -hmm. because it, uh, from uh from everything from taxes to a bunch of other reasons. Um I think uh <laughs> I think Did the we, government I think the government wants full time employees versus gig workers. Uh, well, I'm not an expert on that. We need
0: the tax base. I mean yeah. they're still paying taxes in a, you know yeah. at the end, but
1: and and I think I think companies are companies are enjoying it because they don't have to they don't have to worry about they don't have to worry a lot about hr they can right. almost they can almost bypass all of the hr bs uh, and, and just be like hey hey contractor hey yeah we're done go away like, we, don't, yeah. we don't have to write you up we don't have to write you up we don't have to lay you off we don't have to pay you unemployment we don't have to do any of those things and that's why companies like doing it but that doesn't protect the worker as much as it probably should so i think right. it, it, i think companies are taking advantage of that and i think eventually you're going to see that uh, uh, tracked or, or at least uh, viewed a little more with a little more scrutiny. Companies are getting away with that more than they probably should.
0: And it's Um, probably a mix, right? Like if you've got a 50, 50 mix of FTEs or a 70, you know, 30 mix of FTEs to contractors, this company, you know, Avocet has been around 43 years. We have always had at least, um, you know, four, five, six, ten 10 contractors that we work with on an annual basis. That mm-hmm. number, as we've grown, has doubled. Uh, we probably got 30 contractors that we might call on today based on something very specialized, like, you know, not just an illustration, but a specific type of illustration that yeah. we might call yeah. on someone for once a year. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all of that pans out it, long-term. It will, be.
1: it will be. I think... Um the challenge to there's a bunch of challenges around it one of the things that the companies face is you have hiring managers you have supervisors that are managing full-time employees and managing contractors and they're having to switch hats and be like okay now well, i can only talk to the contractor a certain way i can only because there's certain rules about contractors and then oh yeah now i'm talking to john oh that's right he's a full-time employee so this is different i'm gonna i got to talk to john a little bit differently and and so that that gets messy and challenging and i think that that is tough um so uh, some candidates uh, love doing the gig thing some companies love doing the 1099 thing i I think if it continues to to get out of hand there's going to be more rules around it yeah well that's
0: the government's job i suppose (laughs) (laughs) let's talk a little bit um about the mindset surrounding someone who would want to go work for a startup. So someone, you know, that, or a company rather, that is seed stage or angel stage versus yeah. enterprise or even you know a company that might be receiving a series B tranches of 20, 30, 40 million. Is there a different mindset surrounding those individuals that oh. want to scale with a company? versus just go work for an enterprise solution
1: absolutely totally different candidate uh you know if you are the type of person that likes a routine you know i want to go to work i want to do my job then i want to come home and then i want to uh make dinner at a certain time and then i want to sit down with my husband and watch my little tv show and then I want to get up in the morning and go to the gym. You, you already sound boring. And, and, you know, like <laughs> if you, if you want that life, then, then work for a fortune 500 company, right? Just that, right. that's work, work for an established company that, you know, doesn't have a lot of, of mess going on. Not, not that, not that people don't get laid off from big companies, but in general, it's just a different lifestyle.
0: Right.
1: And so if you, if you like routine, if you like to be stable, um, but not, a lot of massive changes. Um, yeah, then do that. If you are, if you love risk, if you love change, if you like excitement and huge challenges and wearing a bunch of different hats and putting out fires and, uh, all of that, and you don't mind working more than 40 hours a week and you're willing to do that and take some risk for a chance to maybe make some big money, then yeah, go for, go for the startup, go for the startup life. Now, i would I would say that ninety percent of those people that do that are not going to end up being rich.
0: no, no. so,
1: so I, I incur I always tell people, I'm like, don't do startup and a small company because you think you're going to be rich. Do it because you love that lifestyle. you right. you you love that excitement and and you enjoy that. Do it for that reason. And if, hey, if you get some equity and you guys IPO and you become a billionaire, awesome. The chances of that happening are probably pretty damn slim. So don't do it for that reason. Do it for the lifestyle. Yeah,
0: I love it. I never. I
1: it. We never. We hardly ever move a lifelong big company candidate into a small company. Rarely do we. Pres- if if we had a candidate that worked that's worked for Coca Cola for twenty years, and before that they worked for Johnson and Johnson, and then they call me and they say, "Hey, I saw this posting for this." CFO for the startup position, and I want to go do that. And I'm like, I'm always like, bro, you, you have no idea. You no, your head's going to explode. Like, yeah, and, no.
0: and and because they're developing so much process at that stage and procedure, yeah. right? In those big yeah. enterprise companies, yeah. the procedure and process is there. You yeah, got a, totally you got a different pro, animal. You,
1: you have like a procedure book for how to turn on the light switch. For oh. God's sakes, I mean, yeah, they go to startup life, and they're, yeah, no. <laughs>
0: so you have some very exciting things to talk about. You have a book. Um, yeah we did we did
1: yes yes yes.
0: all about the book
1: well so the book is called the writer flex guide inspiring and hiring available on amazon paperback or kindle um you know it came from the podcast what happened was there's over a thousand clips on our writer flex podcast over a thousand clips that includes
0: little i make the book
1: um you're not in the book specifically named. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I sh- we should have done that. Um, w- what it came from was all the daily tips that I recorded over the years. Neat. Where I'm giving, where I'm giving advice. And then we pulled in some of the guest advice as well. Uh, so it really came from the podcast. Somebody had called me and said, man, your podcast, you got all this content and material. Why don't you put it in a book? I said, well, I'm not a writer, number number one, and number two, I, I don't have time. And so, yeah. and they said, well, if you hire a ghostwriter, they can just they can just listen to all of your podcasts for six months and put it into a book. And I said, okay, yeah, cool, let's do that.
0: <laughs> so how cool! Yeah, that's, well, that's well, congratulations on that. Yeah, and um, our listeners can get that from um, from Amazon. Yep, and yep. we'll include a little uh, link to it uh, or the URL in um, the so, name of the book so that you've got it
1: some cool personal stories in there too. I talk a lot about uh, things that have happened to me in my life and different personal stories. So it's very, uh, it's, it, it's not just business. It's got some some true human element stuff to it. So
0: it's, yeah, it's I think good. that's wonderful. You know, you've talked to so many different people. Um, you're so well known in the recruiting industry. You've got your book out now. And yeah. of course we talk about, um, you know, everything that we can do to help Uh, innovators and visionaries and disruptors succeed. Um, Our area of focus, of course, is branding and marketing and um, the scalability, you know, how we create awareness um, through uh, integrated marketing communications. So brand becomes a very, very important component to to recruiting people as well. Talk to us about what you have seen in the marketplace regarding perhaps a weak brand or a brand that doesn't a company that doesn't have a brand yet Mm. versus some of the brands that have a stronger foothold in the marketing and what that does to attract uh, potential employees.
1: Yeah. Great point. By the way, if you're, if you're an aspiring entrepreneur or if you're a a group getting ready to start and you need uh, to put together a brand strategy, call Lori.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Uh, You know, all candidates now—they're uh, immediately going to look up your company online, right? They're going to—they're going to just Google you. Do you have Do you have Instagram up? Do you have Facebook up? Do you have Twitter up? Do you have a LinkedIn account on on LinkedIn? Is it like a real logo with a real company? Is the website good? Is your content on social media good? Are your Google reviews good? Are your Glassdoor reviews good? All of that matters. And most candidates check all of it, which goes, which, which speaks to brand image, brand reputation. If the, if the brand doesn't have a good online presence and clear messaging about who they are and what our culture is, uh, then it's not going to attract, it's not going to attract people because this goes all the way back to what we talked about before, which is, especially millennials, they like, they want to work in a cool environment with a great culture with maybe a cause that they're concerned about. That's the other thing, you know, right. companies should be, should be clear about is, is what, what do they believe in and what are their causes? Cause candidates today, especially younger candidates, they want that. They want that. They don't Very just important. want the, the paycheck. Right. And man, if that is not clear uh, with your branding, you, you need to get that in check. I it's, Great. If if your company is producing coffee mugs, right, and you make the best coffee mug in the whole world, I don't care if it's the the, the most well built coffee mug around. If you don't have cool branding around it, no nobody's going to. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> so, I could not agree more. And gotta, and thank you for you the plug develop. there, by the way. I I very much appreciate yeah. it. Uh, but you know, there's so many components. Um, that we've talked about today from the recruiting to the retention. We really didn't touch on um, DEI, but it becomes a very, very important component to the ethos of the brand um, and the culture mm-hmm. um, that surrounds it. Uh, and really, um, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, remote working versus in office, there's so many different topics that we've covered today. And I, I truly believe that it's going to be some great information uh, for people to really uh, take a look at and just you know create a checkbox on whether or not they feel that their company or they themselves are checking these sort of things off the list. For those companies that still have questions about recruiting, how and what is the best way for them to get a hold of you, uh, Steve and your team?
1: Um, yeah, I'll give that real quick on on uh, diversity and equity, inclusion and all of that stuff real quick, if you want me to mention something sure I, w- I, I would give this uh, advice to the company, as I'm speaking to the companies and the hiring managers, be clear with your goals around DEI and share the goal with your internal recruiters or your external resource, like a Rider Flex, be clear with what that goal is and share that information ahead of time. What happens, happens a lot, Lori, is especially for a recruiting firm like us, a company will have like a, a, a mission of some kind, like internally, secretly in their conference yeah. room. They're like, Boy, we really need a, we really need I've a got minority, the we Check need it this, off we, the list. You know, we don't have enough women or we got all guys or, like, oh, that's really, and they'll be talking about it. And then they'll hire a recruiting firm, but they're afraid to say anything because they don't want to break any laws or rules. So they don't tell the recruiting firm what they really need or what their goals are, so then the recruiting firm starts sending in people that they automatically reject, right? Even if they're qualified, because they're trying to fill this need. Mm-hmm. So the, the the biggest advice I can give is just communicate clearly what the goals are and communicate it legally uh, and say the right things, because you can't discriminate against the fifty five year old white guy, right? You you have right. to include that guy too, but you can share goals, and if you Communicate that clearly ahead of time in the search process, that's going to save a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the biggest. Uh, yeah, I appreciate
0: that insight. It's it's very, very <laughs> important.
1: Nothing wrong with goals, as long as you're not breaking any laws by discriminating against certain groups. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the key. Um rider flex, riderflex.com. Uh, uh, we write in, you flex up. That's our tagline. By ah, you're so that. good. <laughs> okay. If you're looking for a, uh, you know, we are a small boutique generalist that handles all industries and all functions. If if you need CEOs, we do that. But if you need 100 call center associate level people, we can do that as well. Uh, and uh, we've done, you know, we do things all across the country and we have recruiters spread out across the U.S. So there's, I always tell people, we haven't done brain surgeons, uh, we haven't done astronauts, but we've done almost everything else. <laughs>
0: I tell you, that's a pretty uh, big, big uh, lane that you've been working in. So congratulations on your success. Congratulations on the show, the book your growth, which is well, very, very you. exciting. Uh, you now you. have recruiters, I think, in almost every state, right?
1: Yeah, we're all, we have 30 people involved, totally. So yeah, yeah they're everywhere, every region, for sure. Yeah. And, and congrats to you, my friend, we're gonna have to get together, launch happy hour, something I know. soon, we're
0: right? We're right around the corner from one I another. Know. I know. <laughs> okay, it's right? been such a pleasure, Steve. Thank you so much for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast.
1: Thank you, Lori. This episode is complete. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for more ways to scale and grow your business. And be sure to tune in regularly for insights and motivation with host Lori Jones and her guests on the Integrate and Ignite Marketing Podcast.